when I first moved to Los Angeles, I had this total misconception that I was going to sit at the Formosa Cafe or something and somebody would saunter up to me and like offer me a three-picture deal. But it doesn't work that way. You create that three-picture deal. Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Naomi Grossman's on the show. Naomi is an Emmy-nominated actress best known for her portrayal of the crossover character Pepper on the FX series American Horror Story Asylum and Freak Show. Naomi also appears as the Satanist Samantha Crow in the eighth season, Apocalypse. Created by Ryan Murphy and starring Jessica Lange and Sarah Paulson, American Horror Story is one of the most unique and fun, yet dark and terrifying shows on television, and Pepper turned out to be one of the most beloved characters of the series, making Naomi a fixture at Comic-Con events throughout the country. Fans may also recognize Naomi from her roles in the feature films Table for Three, The Chair, 1BR, Sky Sharks, Bite Me, Painkillers, The Lurker, Murder RX, The Portal, Preacher 6, and Fear Inc., along with numerous roles on television series like Casual, Wizard School Dropout, and Good Girls. In this interview, we of course talk about her role on American Horror Story, but we also talk about her one-woman show Carnival Knowledge and the one-woman show she is currently creating. Naomi also shares some advice for aspiring actors and talks about her experience as a member of the Groundling Sunday Company. I think you'll enjoy the energy that Naomi brings to the interview. Her charisma leaps right out of the speakers as she talks about her journey from Northwestern University in Chicago to Los Angeles, and how she used her experience at Groundlings to blaze her own trail in Hollywood. So let's jump right into my chat with Naomi Grossman. So where are you right now? I'm at home, unfortunately. <laughs> Aren't we all? I mean, yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. So how long have you been in Los Angeles? Um, uh, you mean in my lifetime? Well, um, yeah. I've, yeah, I've been here college, since I graduated college, which was um, late 97, I came. Wow. So you went to Northwestern, right? Indeed. Yeah. I did. That's a great school. It is. We had a good football team. Um, well, we had a good football team when I was there. We went to the Rose Bowl uh, for the first time in like millions of years. No one goes to Northwestern for, for football, of course. But then we also had a good football team this year until last weekend, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, unfortunately, we lost. We, we were undefeated until then. And now, alas, we, we lost that. But uh, it was exciting. You know, they've been like talking about, you know, we haven't seen this since, you know, 95, 96. And, you know, <laughs> so it's, I, I've been kind of nostalgic about my alma mater lately. That's funny. Yeah. Th it's weird to watch football games with no crowd and also the fake crowd noise that they pump in. <laughs> it's like, do they really need that? I didn't realize they were doing that. That's crazy. Well, in the NFL, they are. Yeah. They're, they're pumping oh, in really? um, fake crowd noise. So when there's a call against the home team, there's the boos you hear. And uh, it's, it's very strange, at least in the NFL, that's what I'm hearing. Right. Okay. I, I don't follow NFL, but that is weird. I guess, I mean, I'm sure they've done their research and they, they know that uh, it affects the, the game. It affects the players. So right. I know as an actor, I can relate to that. Like doing a comedy show where no one's laughing is really unsettling. <laughs> but um, 
apparently that's what we're doing these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hearing that I'm, I follow a lot of comics on social media and what I'm seeing and hearing is that they're doing these stand-up acts at drive-ins now. And uh, so they're, they're trying to do stand-up with no feedback from the audience or very little feedback. Maybe they're honking their horn or something <laughs> to indicate yeah. you know, that they approve of the joke. But they're trying to find that connection and the way to get out there and perform is uh, it's very difficult. Are you seeing that in Los Angeles right now, that there's, there's those types of efforts being made to break out of the, the pandemic bubble? Yes. Um, uh, I mean, I have, you know, I did comedy, uh, not stand up per se, but, um, you know, I was in the comedy world for a long time. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, it's not that I'm out of it. I'm just... Uh, Comedy didn't didn't fancy me uh, in the way horror did. So you know you go go you go with where with whoever does fancy you. Um, in any case, I you know I am friends with a, a ton of comics, um, stand ups as well as uh, improv and um, sketch people. And yeah, they were they. Uh, there's been a lot of like Zoom comedy shows, which mm -hmm. I just can't. I. Ah. Mm. I, I, I don't know. No, <laughs> I can't do no. it. As much as I didn't even like going to comedy clubs and like <laughs> having to park the car and, you know, um, the, 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 the two drink minimum and the cover charge and the sit through a bunch of like, you know, terrible bringer comics that, you know, you, you that are basically you're taking one for the team to have to see. I didn't even like doing it then, but to be sitting at, alone at home and like, and pay a cover charge just to like zoom into a comedy show? No, 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 no. That's what Netflix is for. There's you know <laughs> curated great comedy, Emmy winning, uh, you know entertainment, just waiting for you. You don't have to look that hard. So yeah, I mean they're they're definitely. I feel terribly for them though. Oh yeah. I mean th these these comics. What are they doing to make a, a living and also just. What, what is their creative outlet right now? Right. Well, I've, um, and I, I mean, I relate. I, the one silver lining of all of this is uh, I, I'm very, very social. And so this has been especially kind of jarring. <laughs> uh, you know, I used to have somewhere fabulous to go um, nightly and I don't anymore. Mm -hmm. So I've, um, you know, I, it's been good in that I am forced to sit down and write and uh, create this new one woman show that I'm working on now, um, which I was doing anyway, but you know, I didn't, I'd ultimately like have to cut off my inspiration on an even, you know, nightly basis just to, uh, you know, go to the party or the screening or the whatever. And now I, I don't have that. So, um, because let's face it, inspiration comes when it does and you can't always, you know, plan it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, in that regard, it's been good because it's, it's really forced me. Like I have no other distractions, which, you know, I, r fellow writers can uh, understand, like, you know, it's very common to, uh, organize the junk drawer and, uh, Marie Kondo, you know, the closet and like, <laughs> you know, it, you do everything before you sit down to write. And so now I really, I have nothing else to do, but write. So that, in that regard, it's been good. No excuses. No excuses. Yeah. But I've Marie kondo my closet and, and <laughs> organized my junk drawer too. I've done it all. <laughs> so, how, how did you make your way from Northwestern to the Groundlings? I, I understand you were at the Groundlings for some period of time. 
Yeah. I, I left Northwestern only because I'd done my four Chicago winters and that was <laughs> sufficient. Uh, so um, uh, I had a, a boyfriend at the time, my, my RA, older man, um, <laughs> who uh, he, I don't know that I've ever told this story, but anyway, he graduated before me and moved out to LA and was a PA on Friends. Oh, which, wow. Uh, at the time was, of course, like the hottest show. And big um, deal. Yeah. Oh, very big deal. And if, the fact that he was getting them coffee, that's <laughs> huge. That's like basically running Hollywood, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, so of course I had to follow him out here, um, you know, because I mean, he was like this with, you know, the friends. Um, and of course we broke up like immediately. Um, <laughs> he dumped me more specifically, uh, which was, it was really hard, you know, because mm-hmm. moving to LA is, no joke. Like it's, it's a really isolating weird. And that was before COVID. Um, but, uh, you know, it's such a big city and yet it's so easy to feel alone, uh, in your, um, you know, you're kind of stuck all, all, all by your lonesome in your car, uh, with, you know, six million other people, um, and it's uh, it's it's a it's a weird place. So I moved out here. All of a sudden, you know, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a life. I didn't even have. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't even have a boyfriend. Um, and so it was a uh, that was it was not easy. But I think ultimately, um, forever the optimist. I do think he kind of did did me some favors. I uh, you know kind of had to find my own way, and so that that was great. Didn't feel good at the time, but. So, uh, but to answer your question, how I got to the groundlings because it wasn't right away. I, I wish it had been um, because it was, ah, uh, the groundlings was, a, a, um, oh, it wasn't a, all positive, but um, like Northwestern, it was a, a sort of a, a, a think tank, you know, um, uh, it was a, it was a comedy think tank full of, you know, other people, uh, who were, you know, just hyper creative and hilarious. And, um, uh, and, and so I, I really thrived having like being around like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I say that it was the best of times, worst of times, because as inspired as I was, like I was at Northwestern, at Groundlings, just being around these really just freakishly um, smart, funny folks, um, it was also one of those things where you were only as strong as your weakest link. You didn't want to be that weakest link because, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but at the same time, uh, well, I never worried about being the strongest link necessarily, but, uh, you know, you didn't want to be that either because then you're, you know, then you're the one everyone wants to off, off the island. You know what I mean? Uh, Ultimately it is like survivor. Uh, they do (laughs) make eliminations. You do not win a million dollars. Um, I was ultimately eliminated, uh, which was also kind of a a painful period. But, um, again, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I actually quit acting afterwards for like a full year. Um, just demoralized or what? Yes, totally. Uh, I, you know, it was one of those things where I just, uh, 
I think I just, I had in my head, like it was going to go this way. Like I was going to go to Groundling, you know, uh, I, I moved out here and I didn't have, get a sitcom right away. Like, uh, you know, Zoe Deschanel and a million other people that had gone to Northwestern. And, and that was sort of confusing. Cause it was like, well, but I was the lead in every play. Like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, I had, that was a bit of a wake up call. And so, but then when I, when I discovered Groundlings, I was like, oh, this is how it's going to happen for me. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, Lauren Michaels will come. He'll see me in the show. He'll put me on SNL. I'll do some fabulous, iconic character that they'll, you know, will, you know, like a Pat or a Toonsis or somebody. <laughs> you see, I haven't seen the show in a while. Um, who will then become Those points like, of reference, yeah. Right. Her own, like, standalone, like, it'll have, she'll have her own movie. And then, mm -hmm. then it's all history. Then I become become like Will Ferrell. Um, so that was sort of my plan. And of course it didn't quite happen that way. And so, yeah, when I, um, when I left the groundlings, it, it really felt like, well, that was how it was going to work. And how else is it going to work? Like, maybe it's not going to work. Like if the authorities, uh, the powers that be uh, at the premier comedy school in the uh, entertainment capital say that I'm not worthy, then they must be right. And so I just figured, gosh, maybe I'll try having a boyfriend again. Maybe actually get a real job. Like just do those things that I've sort of been denying myself because I had my eyes on the prize. I was all in to, you know, the, this acting writing career. And so um, I did. I got a boyfriend. I got a real job teaching Spanish at a language school in, in Beverly Hills Lingual Institute. And uh, I went a whole year without being creative and realized at the end of that, that that was not working for me. I quit the boyfriend so that I could be creative because I, I don't know, I have trouble doing both. Um, Multitasking. <laughs> for whatever reason, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not a multitasker. Yeah. Right. But uh, unfortunately, I couldn't quit the job because I needed the money. But I, you know, I took the time that, that you give to relationships back into my, you know, acting and writing because I couldn't not create. I, I mean, I tried it and it didn't work. <laughs> if you don't mind going back to the Groundlings a bit, for me, the Groundlings are kind of a black box. I've never been to a Groundlings show. I've heard about it. There's a mythology behind the Groundlings because of all of the folks that come out of there that go to amazing places. Who are your contemporaries and what did that experience provide to you that you still have with you today that you find valuable? Whew. Yes. Um, gosh. My contemporaries were uh, in my specific uh, company, that is the Sunday company, um, Michaela Watkins. Oh, wow. Who was on SNL briefly. She was also, um, you know, briefly, I don't mean to, that's just a fact, but uh, she's gone on to do amazing things. She's uh, starring in uh, The Unicorn now. She was, of course, the star of Casual. Which you were in, right? You were in Casual. I had a quick little guest star, indeed. I um, saw that, yeah. Ah, uh, it was so quick, but still. <laughs> Divorce um, lawyer, right? It's it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was nice right. to have my own face, uh, uh -huh. you know. Um, yeah. Uh, so Michaela, as well as um, uh, Catherine Reitman, who is the creator behind uh, Working Moms. Okay. If you've seen that show, uh, her she's uh, Ivan Reitman's daughter. I was going to ask um, if there was a relation to Ivan and and Jason. Indeed. Or, yeah. Uh, yes, and Jason as well of Casual, of course. Um, Let's see. Um, 
uh, I think those were the two that kind of broke. Uh, but um, uh, Melissa McCarthy was there oh, nice. while I was there. She wasn't, um, you know, in my company, but she's, yeah, she was, I mean, I remember watching her on stage, like performing for, you know, audiences of like 50 people and thinking, why? Like, I can't believe I get to come <laughs> here and spend like, I don't know, 10 bucks to see like the most magical comedy happening on earth right now. And it's f 10 feet away from me. So you knew at that moment, you knew that it was pretty special what you were seeing right there. Oh my God. And so I'm, I love her, but yeah. so much more special than the work we've seen her do since like, yes, I, I, it was like, I was invited to this private show of like the greatest show on earth and no one else, you know, me and like 50 other people got to see it. Um, you know, these movies since are like, Oh, they just, they make me so mad because she's <laughs> so much better than that. But you know, like they're, she's, they're wasting her talents or something. They are. Yeah. They are. Um, of course her husband, Ben Falcone was there as well, um, uh, at the time. And uh, as was Kristen Wiig oh. was at Groundlings. Okay. Um, she was, again, they were maybe a few years ahead of me, but, um, they were still there at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Jim Rash. Oh yeah. Uh, who you may know from community. Yeah. He was, uh, he was a teacher. I do. I, I met him. I interviewed him on the red carpet at Sundance this year. Amazing. Oh my God. That oh right he was there this year I was there too for downhill for downhill you were there yes oh I was there though I was I don't I wasn't doing doing much of anything except for maybe catching COVID I don't know I got I came home quite ill me too I, <laughs> me too yeah really I think we all did we were probably all at the same super spreader event and just didn't realize it we, we were patient zeros yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. I did not eat the bat, but, um, so what was the film that you were there for? Oh, well, see, that's the thing. I wasn't really there for a film. I was, um, okay. I was there. Uh, well, it's not entirely true. I have a, a, I'm in a movie that is on Netflix right now. It was number one, a couple weeks, uh, months ago, month, month or two ago. I don't know. Their time is irrelevant right now. Um, but, uh, recently, um, it came out on Netflix, uh, called one BR and, um, it was not in the festival, and so that's why I say I wasn't there with the movie. But the producers of One BR go every year and said, "Ah, oh, you got to go with us. You'll, you know, you'll meet people, you'll make friends, you'll catch COVID." Uh, and I did all those things. Um, and uh, yeah, in fact, I I met somebody who I I shouldn't use air quotes worked with. It just didn't feel real. It was like a a covid rom-com um that we shot um a week or so ago it, it, but it like i said it just didn't feel real it was like me and uh, five people in hazmat suits <laughs> you know with a camera like it, it felt kind of like a zoom meeting frankly uh so that's why it didn't feel like a a, a real movie but hopefully it, you know it will be anyway i met her there nice so they weren't wrong it was a it was a i'm so glad i'd never been before so i really want to go with a movie but i don't uh you know regret going i just regret the month that i was sick afterwards <laughs> Yeah, I I, uh, I feel the same way. I've been to Sundance a few times 
just as a viewer, you know, spending way too much money on a pass and hotel rooms are just grotesquely expensive. And yeah, but I, I went this year as a member of the press and I got to be on the red carpet. And that's where I met Jim Rash and, and uh, Nat Faxon and Will Ferrell. Of course, Nat too. Yeah. He was there for Downhill and Julie Louis-Dreyfus. But yeah, the film festival experience is a lot of fun. I, I'm kind of sad that all of these film festivals are, are online at this point. So... <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, um, I can't get excited. I can't. Yeah. Uh, That's too bad. You, um, did ask another question though. Your question was, you know, who were my contemporaries at Groundlings? But then there was a follow-up. Yeah. What were my takeaways? That's such a great question. Yeah. What are you, what are you, you still holding on to today that you learned or gathered from Groundlings that helps you in your career or your life? Yeah. That's such a, I have to remember that because like I said, the, when I think of groundlings, there's such, I, I feel such a dichotomy. Like it was so painful and fun and hard and heart wrenching and like all the things uh, which don't usually go together. So I have to remind myself that there are, there were some major takeaways from that time, um, which are super positive. Um, I think teamwork is a huge one. I, I'm a real kind of solo gal. Um, I'm an only child. I mentioned I'm single um, and really comfortable being so. Um, I live alone. I, uh, I do solo performance. Um, I'm, uh, I love being around people, but I, I find that they kind of give me my energy. Um, and then I, uh, I, like I'm a performer. I like being in front of people, but I also kind of need time to kind of decompress alone. Um, and I find, you know, I, I'm, I'm much more comfortable, you know, writing all by my lonesome um, on my own time. And, but I really learned there because you are encouraged to, you know, collaborate and, and write with others how much better off you are when you, you know, listen to other people and take on their, you know, take the note. Uh -huh. And so um, that's, that's been really, really in, invaluable. Like I, you know, with my own one woman shows, um, I've been fortunate enough to have, you know, a mentor director um, in all three uh, who, you know, I, I suppose I could have, I, I could have done it without them, but it would not have been the same. Like, I wouldn't even, yeah, no. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, parenting, uh, like, w without a baby daddy. I, I wouldn't even <laughs> dream of doing it. So right. um, having, you know, learning uh, collaboration was massive. I think also, uh, you know, they, you know, their, their whole, it really is kind of a, um, a training ground for Saturday Night Live. They're trying to get you to be able to turn around material quickly and put it out ready for, you know, Saturday night. Right. Uh, in our case, uh, we would write all week. Wednesday, we would bring the sketches up in front of a director. Then uh, we'd get notes. We'd have to uh, rewrite. Uh, I have them sent to her by, you know, noon on Friday. Uh, Friday night, she'd send a list of, you know, this is the show. You had Friday night, all of Saturday, and all of Sunday to uh, memorize, block, rehearse, wig, costume, 
you know, do it all, um, cast, like all of it. Um, and the show, you know, is going up on Sunday night for a paying crowd, which you hope Lauren Michaels is, is a part of. It's a lot of pressure. Like that's a full week. And, um, I learned I don't love that. <laughs> and that was important for me to know. Um, yeah. You know, maybe I was saved the fact that Lauren never came and never found me. I, I learned, <laughs> uh, even though I can uh, work under that kind of pressure, I don't love it. I don't even love the three to five minute format. I mean, I really, I learned to do it. If I, if need be, I can squeeze my material into, you know, that amount of time and put a button on it. Uh, but if given, if left to my own devices, I'll write an hour and it, 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 and it won't be just, you know, all big wigs and, um, you know, ha ha ha, like right. <laughs> over the top, you know, comedy, maybe there'll be some pathos. Maybe it'll make you really stop and think and mm -hmm. maybe it'll you know I, I i don't know i guess i i learned as much as i learned to fit within their mold i also learned my own mold which really is actually they don't go together and um i think that's important you know sometimes you have to it's like an art class where they're like you have to learn you know you must use pointillism and you learn, no, actually I'm a cubist. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, but you had to learn pointillism to, to, to figure that out. Right. So it, it sounds like it was like a silver lining because you, you don't have the rigidity of that format, that three to five minute format. You're, you're not on a crazy SNL schedule that, you know, has you working 14, 18 hour days, four or five days leading up to the show and all of the pressure. I've, heard interviews with a lot of SNL folks, and it seems like there's a certain life that you have, a certain uh, capacity to do that for a certain period of time, but you can't do it <laughs> forever. No. And it's a burnout schedule for sure. Yeah. But also creatively, I mean, what you've done with your one woman show, Carnival Knowledge, and I, I watched some clips from that, what you're doing creatively is completely outside of the box and is very uniquely yours. Mm. So I'm glad that you didn't go that route because what you're bringing to the world is just, is, is really special. So. Yeah. I remember some, some of those groundlings uh, coming to that show and afterwards and they were like, wow, that was really different. And <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love that reaction. Cause it's like, yeah, it is like, I know you thought that I was just, you know, the sketch girl who does three to five minute, you know, bits, but actually I'm an hour long girl who doesn't even do like, who doesn't do bits who or can, but mm -hmm. I, I, I'm much, I'm much happier uh, making you laugh for 45 minutes and then turning you and making you, um, you know, stop and think and maybe even cry yeah. in the last 15. So I, yeah. I saw, I saw an interview that you did with this young kid and I, is his name, is his name Elliot? I think, yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. So you did this interview with this, this sweet young boy who has this amazing YouTube channel and he was asking all these really funny questions. But one of the things you brought up was your, one of your inspirations was with Lily Tomlin and talk about a pioneer with one woman shows, mm. but your one woman show, you can definitely see that you have that vibe where you're funny, I mean, very kinetic, amazingly kinetic and funny, but at the same time, there's vulnerability, there's pauses, there's time to reflect, and it's not 
it's not stand up. So that sensibility, I love that sensibility with one woman shows, one man shows, and to put that together and have the courage to be that vulnerable for that long on stage, it blows my mind. Oh. So I'm very impressed with what you've done. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, um, this, you're going to love this new one that I've, I'm, um, ah. I would say working on, but I sort of stopped for the last like three weeks and I'm getting back to it tomorrow. <laughs> um, I mean, we're in lockdown now, so right. what else is there to do? Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I, yeah, at this point, I'm really just dotting the I's and crossing the T's. I'm, I'm really close to being done. And it's, there is so much pain in this show. It's also hilarious. And that's, <laughs> and that's my favorite kind. Like, it, uh, and, and honestly, I just, I feel really blessed as an actor. I think, um, that I have an outlet and it, you know, if, what would I do with all this emotion if I were, uh, you know, a realtor or a <laughs> dentist, I don't know. So I, I feel really like, like this is what I was put here to do. Like, I don't have a, anywhere, a, mm -hmm. how else to you know, put it out there. So, um, yeah, Lily is, uh, who she's, yeah, she, ha well, she does know actually I've told her. Um, but I don't think she really understands. Um, she, I mean, I remember being a little girl and seeing her up on stage doing, um, search for signs of intelligent life mm -hmm. in the universe. And, and the fact that you say like, I can see that is it's like a huge compliment to me, but I actually served on a little, uh, a committee with her, uh, for the television Academy a couple years ago. Oh, very and cool. I remember the whole time I was, I was such a weirdo. I would sit like on the opposite end of the room, like just too cool for school. Like kind of pretended like I didn't know who she was. Like, <laughs> but I mean, I was like freaking out, like, <laughs> like clenching my butt the whole time. And like, <laughs> I was really, it was like being back in middle school with like a, a cute boy and you just are paralyzed and can't even <laughs> be behave. That's how I was with her. And, um, Finally, the last, we had a, like a last supper and I brought, you know, my search for signs of intelligent life in the universe uh, poster that I'd had some, on my wall since I was a little girl and, you know, my nine to five mug and her, you know, uh, albums even. I mean, I had all nine the, to five. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. She was blown away. She's like, I didn't know you even knew who I was. I was <laughs> like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> but so I really like, I fangirled hard. And that, so now she knows like it's jig is up. Um, but she's so lovely. I mean, when I was nominated for an Emmy, I think she was nominated that same year. Yeah, she was. She was nominated for Grace and Frankie. Grace and Frankie. Right. Sorry. I'm obviously, I, I, I'm an OG fan. I'm not one of these nouveau, like right. just jumped on the bandwagon. Um, but um, yeah, she, she wrote me an email to congratulate me. It was just like, oh God. Oh my gosh. Really? How sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, a, a private note like that? I know. I mean, yes. Oh, I saw you on the red carpet, by the way, for that. That was 2018, right? Correct. The Emmy nomination. Yeah. You've done your research. I'm impressed. Oh, I try. Yeah. I try to do a deep dive on, you know, who I'm going to talk to uh, in these interviews, but you were really fun to research. You, there's so much to talk about. I mean, w here we are 30 minutes into it. We haven't even talked about Pepper 
Oh. Yeah, you've got so much going on uh, before that and after that. But going back to the improv issue, I've taken some improv classes and I'm an attorney. I'm a trial attorney by day. Wow. And I took improv classes to be better in front of juries, like just to be able to connect. And I think performance is um, part of being a trial attorney. If you're going to be in the courtroom, you're, you're performing to some degree, but not acting. What you're doing, I think, is um, just trying to be present. Yeah. When you're, you're listening, like when I'm asking questions of a witness on the stand or I'm talking to the jury, trying to be present, I'm trying to look at body language and not be in my head, right? Mm-hmm. And, and my problem has always been that I am always in my head. And if I'm in improv classes, it's so painful for me to be pulled into the present. It scares the shit out of me, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's like I actually have to not be thinking about how I'm going to look to others. I have to let that vulnerability come out and just sit with it and be okay because otherwise I can't actually listen to what this person is saying and therefore I can't react to what they're saying. Right. And I love I love that I hate that about improv, but I love that about improv at the same time because it makes us I think more human and it and it connects us. And so that's what I appreciate and I've you know, I haven't done the deep dive you have done on improv at all, but I um I totally respect those who actually go through the process of like a groundlings or, you know, some type of school like that or class where you're putting yourself out there. And I think I can see it in everything that you do, the presence that you have Mm. and even their presence right now. It's very obvious that you have either a natural talent for that or training or both. Oh, that's, oh my God. I needed this today, by the way. <laughs> I, we, we had a, a, a very heated HOA meeting last night, and uh, I, I was not feeling the love, but I'm feeling it now. So thank oh. you. You must have known that I, I needed some good vibes. I hate HOA meetings. <laughs> Ugh, seriously. No, you're totally right about improv. And that's one thing um, that I suppose I took away from as well from it. But uh, they they were pretty adamant, especially early on in the classes, because, you know, the way Groundlings works, and you're right, it's a total, uh, it's this very mysterious place, but, you know, it starts with this huge pool of people, like everyone who ever thought they were funny in high school, like whoever was laughed at even once, (laughs) you know, uh, comes to the school. And then, you know, little by little, it's like this pyramid where, you know, people get eliminated. And then by the very end, you're in the Sunday company, and it's this very small I mean in this in our case it was 14 of us this group and then of those 14 actually 10 myself included was eliminated so there were only four that lasted and then of those four only one actually turned out to become a groundling and that was Michaela Watkins wow I digress it turns out um but so early on when it's like everyone who's ever thought they were funny even once they actually tell us or you know told us then don't be funny hmm. like don't even try to be funny just try to be present hmm. just listen okay. just be here now and that that was that's really good advice because you can tell when somebody's working when they're trying too hard mm-hmm. you know when they 
when they get, when they're back here thinking about, oh, what could I say? What could I do that would be funny? They're not here. They're not listening. They're not present with their scene partner, and and they miss the funny. The whole point of being doing improv is you're present and you're reacting honestly in the moment. And if you can't do that and be back here, uh, you know, thinking about what would be funny at the same time. So, yeah, like if you are funny, you just you just will be. You you don't have to work at it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that probably it applies to, I mean, there's, there's a, I, I bring this up a lot when I um, talk to guests on this show, it, there, there's a very profound interview and conversation I had with a screenwriter who passed away recently. Her name's Bettina Jillowa. And uh, I talked to her last year. But one of the things that she's, she's a um, screenwriter for biographies, basically. So real life stories. And she, she did um, Bessie for HBO with Queen Latifah and um, She's done a bunch of biopics, basically. But her concept that we were talking about, story logic, is that whatever you chase in life runs away from you, and whatever you run from chases you. So the importance of just being is um, paramount, because if you're there and you're just accepting of the moment, then you can allow things to happen, and you can see things, and, and they're unfolding before you like funny like mm. humor, you know, like vulnerability or whatever. But if you come in with a plan and you're chasing that plan, it's it's never going to go according to plan. So that's that's kind of my takeaway from that interview. And, and that's what I heard you, you saying a little bit with the improv philosophy. Right. But now you've got me thinking like, what am I chasing? <laughs> and what am I running away from? And I, I don't know. I've, I'm going to have to find a therapist for that one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe you're not. Maybe you're just in the moment and, and you're, you know, the universe is telling you, you need to write this one woman show and you don't really have a plan beyond just end scene, the last words of whatever the script is going to be, see how it, it is received and see if the pandemic allows you to perform it, hopefully. Right. Well, the good news is, uh, my dream for this show, unlike the other two, only because I was in kind of a different place in my life when I did those, uh, the dream now is to, or was anyway, um, when I started this about a year ago, uh, was to sell it to Netflix or one of those, you know, as a one hour comedy special. The fact is, you know, before now that wasn't really a thing <laughs> and, and now they are. So I feel like there's no reason why this show isn't, I mean, it, 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 it's right up there with the other streaming specials on there now. Mm -hmm. So I don't see why not. Right. So the good news is about COVID um, is that, yeah, it's very unlikely that I'll be able to do this the way I have in the past, but maybe the, my dream <laughs> will be realized. Maybe, uh, the, you know, COVID is going to make it so that, yeah, all I need is a, you know, a cameraman and a lighting guy and a, and me. And, and, and that's, perfectly doable right now. So I don't know, like, we'll, we'll see, but I'm hopeful. I mean, it will happen. Like, that's the good news. You know, what is the, uh, that expression that what you put in energy into thrives that which you take energy away from dwindles, whatever it is, mm -hmm. some Indian guru said it, <laughs> uh, but you know, I have been like, 
like I planted this seed probably fall of last year and I have been gardening like a mofo all, all year long. And, um, and I'm, it's about to flower and I'm really excited about it. So that's so, so awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. As you may have noticed, there are great resources and advice mentioned in all our episodes. And for many of them, we actually collect all of these resources for you in one easy place, our newsletter. You can go to dreampathpod.com slash newsletter to join. It's not fancy, just an email about each week's episode, featured artists, and resources to help you on your journey. Now, back to the interview. It's funny. I... Oh, I was just going to say, I, um, I'm a little woo-woo. I have a, a, like a psychic friend, not like someone I call and pay money, like a psychic friend's line. I literally have a friend who's psychic. And um, we were talking, and we, were, we were talking about boys. And um, she, I've never told this story before either, so I may crash and burn. But we were talking about, you know, boys and... And I'm just sort of my general disillusionment and, and well, <laughs> I got it. We're in a pandemic. Like how am yeah. I supposed to meet someone? Like, forget it. Like, well, and you have every right to be disillusioned with boys. So, you know, totally. Right. <laughs> with or without pandemic. But yeah. Right. So, uh, but in the middle of it, um, I, 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 while we were talking, I got a text that was from a um, producer friend who's actually working on this, my new show with me. And she was basically making some suggestions like, we could send it to so-and-so or so-and-so, so-and-so, you know, and, and I really, I didn't like any of her suggestions. And so, you know, but my, my psychic friend was like, no, it's okay. Read your text. It's fine. It's fine. So I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm making faces. And she said, uh, you know, and she just sort of stepped to, and she's, she said, oh no, read your text. It's good. Uh, this gives me a chance to kind of like assess you. And I was like, oh, it's okay. You don't need to assess me. Like, I don't want you to feel like you're always like giving me a reading every time we hang out. Like we're allowed <laughs> to just be girlfriends and right. talk, you know, dish about boys. So she's like, no, 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 it's okay. Read my text and sort of didn't like any of the suggestions. I put the uh, phone down and she said, this one, you're not going to, you'll take no compromises. You're not going to compromise with this next one. Hmm. And what's really interesting about that is that she was probably refer talking about boys still because that was the conversation we've been having. But I, in my mind, went into my show, you know. Uh, so, and so in my mind, her suggestion had to do with my, my show and how I'm not taking these compromises. I'm not, I, I refuse to compromise when it comes to the show. But the real, like, irony of the whole thing, maybe it's not irony, I don't know, the show is all about making compromises and how I'm <laughs> over it. Like I am not, I am done making compromises. So it's uh, in my, I, I just thought that was, I, I said, I, my jaw dropped and I was like, how did you even know? And she was like, well, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? And that's when I told her, I was like, the show is an anthology series about autobiographical tales of self-compromise. Okay. And that's what was so crazy about this. This, I mean, the, the show is about compromise and she's like, you're done compromising. And, and it was just, um, uh, and I asked her like, what does it mean? And she said, it means that you are perfectly in line in this moment. Like the vibes you are giving are exactly in line with like your whole mission statement for the moment, um, which 
I just thought was really cool. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with what we were talking about, but I, I think you were, oh, you were talking about my solo shows and how they, uh, and I, I, like I said, I do, I, be, I know even despite everything that's happening in the world, this show is happening, period. Yeah. The psychic sees it. I know it. Like, there's no stopping it at this right point. Right like, on. The avalanche has started to roll, and it's you cannot stop it now. So That's awesome. Yeah. That, that must be a good feeling to, to be that confident <sighs> in what you're doing. And also have that affirmation from your friend that right. knows things. <laughs> yeah. So. No, it's one of those things where right now, let's face it, if there's anything we learn from this time in our lives, it is that there are no knowns. Like, <laughs> there's nothing we can take for granted. Like, we don't know that uh, we'll have a new president in January. <laughs> we don't know if uh, Christmas is really, you know, if Santa's coming. Right. We don't know uh, whether we can um, see our loved ones tomorrow. So, you know, there's really like nothing that we can be sure of in this this period. And actually, we never have been sure. We just thought we were. Right. But I will say like this show is like the one thing that I think feel like I can be really certain about, you know, wh how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen. Of course, we don't know. Yeah. Whether you're going to have to pump in a crowd noise like the NFL does or, you know, who knows, right. but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I can't go this entire episode without asking you about American Horror Story because oh, of course that, and I know you probably get asked about this so often. I, I hope you don't get tired of it. But what I love about your characters, plural, on American Horror Story is that they give you an arc that you're not just there for decoration or for a novelty, I should say. I think that's probably a better word because if you have Literally in a, an insane asylum or a freak show at a circus, if you don't have Ryan Murphy on board, you have someone else running the show, there's a danger of falling into this trap of just having gimmicks. Like everything is a gimmick. Let's just be over the top here. And there's no depth to these characters. But you especially have these incredible arcs in these seasons where uh, there's so much humanity that comes out. And when you got involved, my question, I guess, it's a long way of asking, when you got involved in this project and you knew you had the part, did you know that there was going to be this arc and this depth and this complexity that we see in the finished product? Okay. I have lots to say about this. Uh, but to, quickly to answer exactly what you're asking, no, I had no idea. I knew nothing. Uh, I knew it was a guest star, which is just just up from background extra. Um, I knew I had a, I think it was a th three episode guarantee, uh, which I was in the first three episodes. Uh, and then I, if you recall, I went pee and um, disappeared for a while. I was, of course, hanging out with the aliens. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert. But, um, you know, I knew that the show said, don't cut your hair. Mm -hmm. uh, so I knew there was a chance I'd be back. But, you know, w we would typically shoot only maybe five episodes ahead of the viewing public. So when people were like, you know, Pepper went away, they were like, where's Pepper? And I still didn't know. Like, I, I, 
I thought I'm like I'm in the bathroom. I don't know. Like <laughs> they didn't tell me. Right. Uh, so I had no idea. I, I believe they knew. I mean, I believe Ryan knows all, <laughs> but <laughs> of course, um, of course, he's the creator. Let's face it. Right. I think, you know, the audition process, they gave me a ball and they asked me to try to get them to play with me as an improv, um, as if I were a little girl, which, uh, you know, they didn't even tell me there was no talk of pinhead or microcephaly or any of that. Hmm. So uh, I just knew to play a four-year-old, wow. um, which, of course, Groundlings really prepared me for. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's face it, um, you know, that, that would enable them to see whether I could do, you know, the early pepper without necessarily outing it to me and all the other millions of actresses and managers and agents in Hollywood what American Horror Story was up to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, they, but in addition to that, they also had me do a monologue of Jessica Lange's from season one, mm. which I really blew my mind because I was like, what is this? Like, why am I doing a scene that she already won an Emmy for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Now, of course, in retrospect, like, we understand they wanted to see that I had range, that I could go from this early, you know, um, the playful pepper to the later evolved pepper. Um, so they knew that uh, it was going to happen, but I definitely did not. Uh, and, and even then, I remember being so confused. Like, it was, you know, the script... I, I never even got full scripts. I only got the, the scenes I was in. Uh, and I remember being like, wait, pepper normal. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, <laughs> what is normal? Pepper is normal for her. You know what I mean? That is her normal. Right. So, right. you know what I mean? Just like, this is my normal. This is your normal. That's pepper's normal. So what do you mean pepper's normal now? Cause I didn't get the, the, the alien memo, you know? <laughs> so I remember preparing like a bunch of like whatever I thought normal was. I knew that they didn't mean pepper's normal because you know, let's face it, there was like big chunks of dialogue and then there was no way that she was going to, you know, be able to say all those words, like multi-syllabic words. So I had a, an inkling, but I remember even just being in the, in the makeup chair and asking the makeup people these directorial questions, which they, of course, then texted, uh, you know, the powers that be, like, when you say normal, no, no, no. I mean, I was literally getting the direction like that, like, while I'm getting my makeup done. <laughs> Um, but even then when I came back for freak show, it was the exact same deal. I want to say it was like a five episode guarantee. So I felt confident. I, I, you know, the fact that they brought me back at all and that we're willing to kind of break their own rules and, you know, let's face it. What does that mean for Emmys? Which are a big deal around there, of course. Right, um, right. You know, like, are, are we no longer a limited series if we've got returning characters? I mean, they, they, they kind of, they took a chance, let's face it. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, on that, like, episode five, six, seven, eight, kind of going, like, what's going on? Like, I, you know, you're absolutely right. This show is all about these, you know, characters with these, like, wonderful arcs. And no one's wasted. No one's just background, unless you're truly background. Right. And so I was like, I know for a fact they wouldn't just bring me back to play with string in the corner and, you know, deliver <laughs> the fat lady food. Like, I right. know I'm not just 
filler. Right. I mean, I am, let's face it, like all the, you know, in order to have a freak show, you need some freaks. Mm -hmm. And I was one of them. So in a way I knew that was my place, but I also couldn't believe that, that they wouldn't do more with me. And of course they did. Yeah. So, you know, my, I was, I was right. You were right. Um, but there was a long time. I want to say, you know, nine whole episodes of kind of going, <laughs> where is this going? And, you know, <laughs> yeah, they really wrapped it up nicely at the end. That, uh, that orphan episode really just yeah. heartbreaking, but touching too, because you have this relationship with Jessica Lang that outsiders probably don't appreciate and understand until they see, you know, the look on your face as you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're looking at the, you know, the picture of her and not to give too much away, but you know, that episode. No, no, of course. Well, people haven't seen it yet. It's time. Yeah, that's true. I want them to go back and watch it though. Oh, you know, I, um, yeah, that episode, I mean, I had to cry every day for the two weeks that we were right. You know, it was like on a daily basis, there would be, you know, Pepper was having some kind of meltdown, whether it was, you know, reading the Velveteen Rabbit or uh, banging your head against the wall in the, in the asylum. And, you know, let's face it, like I haven't had that much experience having to cry on cue. Like I'm, I'm, you know, a grounds, groundlings girl. And so, uh, you know, Jessica is a geyser. She can just turn it on and, you know, bam. Uh, whereas, you know, I haven't had that all that much experience with that. And so, uh, but I mean, let's face it. I went to drama school. Like I have, I know how to do it. I just you got the tools. Haven't had to. Yeah, I absolutely. They're just not as uh, sharpened as, as hers are. <laughs> uh, but I, I did learn in that, in those two weeks, you know, let's face it, the things that make you cry on day one are different than the things on day 14. Like you have to keep finding things. And that episode was so beautiful, beautifully written. I could cry. I like at the beginning, I could just open the script, read a page and I would be there. Like, mm -hmm. and then they could uh, roll camera. Like I, that's, that's all it required. As it went on, I had to, you know, think about my, my dog that died and this and that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> all those tricks. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it was so meta. I mean, that scene where I'm saying goodbye to Jessica Lange, I was really saying goodbye to Jessica Lange. Like right. I knew there in that moment that this was it. Like I probably wasn't going to work with her again in this, that context. Um, I was, you know, I was saying goodbye to this home I made in New Orleans for those, you know, six months that we were working there. I was saying goodbye to all my new friends, you know, the freaks, the, you know, the, the, the Kathy Bates, Sarah Paul, I mean, the whole gang. I was saying goodbye to Pepper. I mean, let's face it, I, I'd really come to love this person um, and, and this job. Like I, it really was a true goodbye. And, um, and and so yeah, as 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 much as Pepper was saying goodbye to Jessica, I was saying goodbye to Jessica. I was saying goodbye to the show. I was saying goodbye to my the, my job. I was saying goodbye to my role. I was saying goodbye to my my city. Like it was it was um th that that was not a hard scene to shoot. <laughs> yeah, like I just had to, again. I had to just be there, be present. Yeah, the emotion was there already. <laughs> you just had yes. to unleash it. Sounds like yeah.
Yeah, it was really a matter of letting it come through that makeup, you know, because there's so much makeup on that. <laughs> it's incredible. I, I don't know how they accomplish the proportions because your head looks so small relative to your body. I know it's not CGI. It must be a combination of wardrobe and makeup, but uh, the transformation is just remarkable. Right. Well, they did uh, look into doing CGI, of course, but that's very expensive. And when they can do it practically, it's always more impressive. Of course, uh, shaving my head helped, you know, obviously not that I had a whole ton of hair, but you know, you're, I was that much smaller looking. And of course they really built me out. Like I had a fat suit. Um, and, and of course I was helping them physically as well. I had, you know, I was kind of hunched over for most of the time. So as a petite person, like if I gain a, a pound, you can see it. Whereas if I were, you know, longer, you, it's like, where does it go? Right. So, you know, the fact that I went from my five feet of fun to, you know, four, eight, just in my own posture kind of made my body look that much bigger. And of course my head isn't, head isn't changing size, but, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a, um, an illusion. I think when people meet me, they're always uh, a little like, oh, wow, you're, you're very short, but you're not that short and you're definitely not that fat. <laughs> and your head is, you're perfectly proportioned. <laughs> yeah. So does that role allowed you to do like Comic-Con appearances or somehow utilize that connection to connect with audiences and also to make money? Oh my gosh. Like, what you're seeing is has, is all from Comic Cons. I mean, really? um, with every single one, I can almost remember. Like, ah, oh, I remember that guy in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and that guy in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Like, I like legit. So uh, this came from Canada in 2015, which was the year after Freak Show. I traveled. 44 of the 52 weekends that year. Wow. Um, to some Comic-Con, some shoot, some where. Some, I mean, thank God that was 2015 and not 2020 because uh, <laughs> I, I had to cancel several appearances this year as well, of, of course. But um, at least it wasn't that year. I mean, I made way more um, on the back end of that show than I ever did <laughs> actually, you know, from the show. Yeah. What a fantastic opportunity that is. Wow. I was going to say I was, I, you know, I started out as a co-star, which is, like I said, doesn't make much money. So <laughs> that's not really <laughs> saying that much, but right. no. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. I, I didn't even know those things existed. It was such a, I was like all of a sudden in the center of this total kind of pop culture phenomenon. And I, it was something that I hadn't even, I hadn't even heard of. It's pretty amazing. When I told my kids I was interviewing you, I mean, they just freaked out because there, there's a whole younger generation of people, and I was freaking out too, of course, but uh, but they really, they look at Asylum and, and Freak Show as their favorite seasons of American Horror Story, not just because they're great seasons, but because of you and your, their favorite character. And I think my kids are like a cross-section of that generation, and um, it's probably true throughout the world. So- well done pulling that oh. off to to start off as a a co-star but really to be after your run on the show to be the star in my opinion so nice job that's so nice oh my god you are i am taking it all in thank <laughs> you that no truly i um 
you know, we actors, what are we without an audience? And so, you know, I've been denied hearing the applause of an audience for nine months now. So it, I, I love it. I need it. It's why I have this room. I remember once um, having a, a, a gentleman caller who came in here and said, ugh, how gross. You have like all these pictures of yourself. Could you be <laughs> any more of a narcissist? And I was like, what? Like, you don't get it like yeah. you don't get me like this this is other people's art which my art inspired like you know to think that i i'm you know this isn't this narcissistic pursuit that i think so many actors uh, are um sort of uh, uh what is the word See, I don't talk to people anymore, so my vocabulary <laughs> is out the window. Um, uh, I, I think actors are um, accused of sort of having just being narcissists in general. Uh -huh. But I actually, and I, I, I want to say I even subscribe to that until until this, and I realize no, actually, we're providing a service. Like we are bringing humor and thought and entertainment uh, to people's homes and uh and for it we are being rewarded and they are we are inspiring creativity and uh, art and thought and and it's it's a beautiful thing like and so honestly like in the case of a fire, well, I'd be screwed because it's all on the wall. But this is what I would run for first. Yeah. Like, it, it's the thing that I love most is... Um, yeah, and it, it, I don't look at it as an act of narcissism to put those up there. I, I look at it as honoring the character that gave you a lot of opportunities and to find an audience that you probably wouldn't have otherwise found. And also honoring the folks that took the time and made this effort to create these things that are honoring right. your character. So it's not really about you. It's about the character that you helped create. Well, and let's face it, you know, I don't have kids, but for those who do, they have a refrigerator full of, you know, chicken scratch because Billy drew a tree in kindergarten and, and that tree is so, you know, it's so precious to that parent and, you know, I don't have that, but I do have this. And, like, my baby <laughs> made all these things. Like, oh, uh, this, is, this is no different in my mind. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's very special. It's definitely the place I come after ugly HOA meetings so that I can, like, you know, feel good again. And, and like I said, talking to you is, has been really good for me, too. <laughs> Well, it's been a lot of fun getting to know you. You really have an impressive filmography and you're doing a lot of great work on television. And I can't wait to see your one woman show in whatever format it arises and presents itself. I'm going to seek it out and watch it and share it with my audience for sure. Good. You know, one question I try to ask my guests, um, especially when they've reached the level of success that you have, is what advice do you have for young people? or even older people who are trying to become an actor in television, on the stage, what should they be focusing on and doing to get into that industry? Um, yes, that I'm distracted here now only because I've literally written a list 
of do's and don'ts just to answer your question. Awesome. I love lists. So I'm going, I'll refer to it here. I was going to say, how much time do you have? Because I uh, like, here's the thing. Here's another reason why this is so special to me is that I went a very long time without anyone knowing who I was. I mean, you, you, you know, mentioned my filmography, but guess what? Like uh, there was a long time that I couldn't get, I, I couldn't get arrested. I couldn't get a, you know, nurse number two to the left. Um, and you know, I have a theory about that. You know, I've always been kind of this over the top character and those itty bitty little, you know, scaffold doctor type roles are really reserved for wallflowers. Like they need, those actors need, are just there to support period. Right. Not distract, not take, take focus at all. Like, and that is not me. <laughs> like I, yeah, you're, you're a scene stealer. <laughs> I am. I walk into the room and you cannot miss me. And, um, and I've always been that I, I, I'm not, listen, it's not always a great thing. Like sometimes I wish I could just kind of hide, but I, I, I can't. So that said, uh, for the longest time, um, I mean, I even tried working as a, as a background extra only because, you know, I needed the money and I'll, I'll, I was at a, I was, let's face it. I have, I've got lots of stories of compromise and, and that was one of them. Um, and so, but even that, even working as an extra, I remember them saying, uh, yeah, you in the, uh, black and white sweater, can you move like much further back? Like even like, no, just actually turn around. <laughs> no, actually just go to holding. It's okay. We'll call, we'll, we'll call you. Right. Like I was so, I, I was such, uh, I was such a bad extra. And in general, I was so, um, yeah, I, 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 and so that's why Pepper was really this sort of perfect storm of a role because she was small enough that I could actually get her, uh, you know, without a, a long filmography. Um, and yet she was big enough that I could really shine. Like I could really act to the back row and, and it, and it was okay. In fact, it was necessary in order for it to sort of penetrate all that makeup. In any case, the point is, oh, what is the point? You know, that is why I have all this around me is because I do not forget what it was like to be struggling and to be one of these young actors, like listening to podcasts, going like, please tell me, give me the goods, tell me what I need to know. Because the I secret went, formula. Yeah. Oh yeah. Serve me that special sauce. Like I, <laughs> I got my SAG card on my 15th birthday and it wasn't until I was 37 years old that I was actually able to use my SAG and use SAG insurance and go to the doctor. Wow. I'm not saying I didn't go to the doctor for 22 years, but I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't use SAG insurance. Like I didn't, um, <laughs> I couldn't afford the copay. <laughs> I couldn't afford the copay. So, right. uh, yeah, like, so I, I, I think that's one thing I get always at the comic cons is, wow, you're so you know, you're so down to earth. You're so approachable. I'm like, well, yeah, because I remember like it wasn't that long ago that I was, yeah, that I was, couldn't afford the copay. So anyway, sorry about that little tangent. Let me, um, uh, let me get to my list of uh, what to do. Number one, I would say just figure it out what it is that you want to do 
put it out there and then just let it go. In my case, it was, I wanted to be a character actress. Hmm. I always thought it was going to be SNL, you know, Groundlings SNL, it, you know, Toon the Cat, the movie. Um, it wasn't, it, it, you know, it was this whole other path. But I think the point is, you, uh, you know, you got to get a gimmick. Yes. You know, find your niche, uh, but don't necessarily micromanage it. Like allow the universe or whatever it is you believe in to, you know, do your thing. And then, and then the, the path will find itself. Like I, I do believe like I actually did get what I came here for, or I'm getting it anyway. Um, like I am a character actress. It didn't happen the way I wanted it to, but it happened. Right. So I think that's an important, you know, is to yes, find your niche, but don't be so locked in to how it happens for you that you, mm -hmm. you avoid other possibilities. Makes a lot of sense. I say uh, to love what you do, look deep inside. If you don't love it, and this is sort of a Debbie Downer kind of a piece of advice, like if you don't love this work, and I do mean work, not on the, you know, chatting with you at Sundance on the red carpet, not, you know, traveling the world, signing autographs for money. No, like, the the work of of um you know not being able to make your copay <laughs> for 22 years right. then you should just do something else like do what makes you happy and i think i was always an actress like since conception and so when i i really struggled when it wasn't working for me i was i was like what am i going to do like i've never been anything else you know, I, I, I've been this, like, ever since anyone ever asked me, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? It was always the, the, I was actress. So I didn't have a backup plan. And I think that was um, both, like, in a way, key to my success <laughs> because I didn't have a plan B. In fact, that would maybe segue into my next piece of advice. Do not have a plan B because mm. if you have a plan B, you should just do that instead. Right. Like you need, like, like I found when I had to, when I quit the boyfriend, but couldn't quit the, the language Institute because I couldn't afford not to, you know, I realized like I have to be creative to be happy. And, um, it's also something I like learned during COVID. Like I was going to drown myself in the pool and let those, assholes on the HOA find me if it weren't for having like a creative outlet. <laughs> and oh, can you tell? The visuals, the uh, visuals are great. Yes. So yeah, I, I, I think, um, yeah, don't have a plan B. Uh, if you do, do that instead. Love what you do. Love what you do. Don't have a deadline or rather quit when it stops being fun. You know, I know, uh, I, I, I know for a long time, you know, people were like, how long are you going to give this? I mean, I think even my own mom was starting to doubt me, like, because I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I never stopped seeing that I would do this. Like, for, I, I always saw it. And for a long time, well, towards the end, especially towards the, before Pepper, I should say, I, 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 there was a point where I was the only one that saw it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that was hard. But I, I, I do believe that, you know, I, I did stop having fun on occasion. And so I had to just find the fun again. And I, I think that's important. You know, I, 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 I do think staying in the game is an, another big one. Like 
buzzword, stay in the game. Um, and I know I just said stay in the game, quit when it stops being fun in the same sentence. But if you have fun, first and foremost, it'll keep you in the game. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I think even just showing up, you're that much more likely to be successful. Right. Um, and I think you even said something about um, – uh, I, I don't remember. You've said so many wise things. I, I, I can't wait to go back and listen to this interview. Right. Um, uh, some other little tidbits or don't wait, create. You know, I, uh, I think when I first moved to Los Angeles, I had this, I don't know, I just had this sort of total misconception that I was going to like, you know, sit at the Formosa Cafe or something and somebody would saunter up to me and like offer me a three picture deal. You know, I'd, I'd been watching too much I don't know what, but it doesn't work that way. Like, yeah. especially now, like uh, you create those, that three picture deal. And it's a hustle. It's a hustle. And yeah, that's what this new show is all about. So yeah, um, I think surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals is really important. I, I think, you know, that's why Groundlings was such a, a really important, great place for me, Northwestern too. You know, I, when I think about the, the years where all I was doing was, you know, driving in the Red Bull truck. And I mean, as much as I'm still friends with the Red Bull girls, you know, it was, it's important to find your, you know, your, your people, um, yeah. uh, with whom you, you know, fellow creatives, uh, to kind of keep you, uh, motivated and, you know, in the game. Uh, I also couldn't, give advice without uh, proselytizing a bit about yoga. Uh -huh. um, I'm a huge kind of yogi. And I think really having, having that hour and a half to sort of silence your mind and turn off your phone and just breathe and do whatever the teacher's saying. And if all that is, is, you know, extend your arms, then, then that's all you're doing in that moment. And I think that's really important, especially now we're so inundated. There's so much, I mean, news and posts and BS everywhere around us. And, and, and you have to just decompress. And, and I, I know I am a, completely different person after I do yoga. You know, with COVID, well, I have like a yoga speakeasy that I sneak off to, which fortunately my teachers actually just recently become ordained as a minister. So that even now during the shutdown, if I get stopped, I can say I'm going to my church, my yoga church, church, church yeah. <laughs> uh, in her house. But I, I just, I, I really think that that's important. And you'll have a rockin' body to boot. <laughs> um, I also think that you have to have a life. I think there is nothing more repellent to Hollywood people than an actor that only talks about acting. You know what I mean? Like right. going to these Sundance uh, super spreader events and well, obviously you're going to talk about your movie, but it's important to know about the world and life and be just knowledgeable about other things other than yourself and your acting. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, I think especially for young people who are wanting to be actors, so often all they want to do is acting. Like I was that way. I would have been happy at a at Juilliard where all I got to do was tap dance and do like Martha Graham's, uh, you know, viewpoints or whatever. Like that 
I would have been happy with that. But my parents very smartly said, no, you need to get a full education. You can be a theater major, sure, but you need to take some neuroscience so that you'll know about Pepper and, you know, her <laughs> microcephalia when you play that one day. Right. You need to take film history so that you know about the film freaks and watch it on a loop in preparation for that role. Like, the fact is, like, having a full education, knowing about things in the world will not only prepare you for that breakout role 22 years later, but also will... Uh, just make you not annoying at cocktail parties uh, at Sundance, which is actually really important. Yeah. <laughs> um, and something I think, you know, we don't think about, you know, as kids, we're just thinking about the moment, what we want to do now and not the, the person that it's going to shape us into ultimately. Right. The foundation that you're building to, to become right. what you want to become. Yeah. Right. That's quite a list. Quite a list. It is quite a list. Believe it or not, there's there's even more. But um, that that's a lot. That will keep your youngsters <laughs> busy and in school. Stay in school. Usually, I get a one liner, and you gave me ah! a, one, a wonderful essay on <laughs> that. There's a lot to chew on there. So thank you for that, Naomi. Well, I'll tell you, I you know this year I've there's a dozen you know personal appearances that I've mentioned I, I've had to miss and, and many of them are actually to schools to talk to their you know drama departments about you know uh, about just this so at least I had an outlet for it. Naomi it's been so generous of you to sit down with me and spend so much time sharing your story uh, sharing the wisdom and the insight that you have. I've learned a lot I know my listeners are going to really enjoy this people can find you, it looks like, on your wonderful website, naomigrossman.net. And you have these very active social media accounts, at least on Instagram. I see you're doing some yoga stuff on there. Yes. Uh, verified celebrity on Instagram. Ooh la la. Blue check mark. Yes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> are you on Facebook much? I see you have a ton of uh, followers on Facebook. I am. I don't know why people say, oh, you haven't been on here much. I try to post every day. Um, there's not a whole lot to post about right now, mm -hmm. you know, except maybe I'll have a new yoga pose, but I posted just this morning. So I also have a verified Facebook so people can go there too. I have a friend page too, which at this point, they're the same. Like you're not getting any special perks by being my friend friend as opposed to my fan friend. They are the same. So okay, just to curb that because yeah. Well, I, I want to encourage everybody to follow Naomi on social media. She's got positive, wonderful posts. She's funny. And um, uh, it's nice to have that type of positivity on, you know, everybody's political. I, I couldn't help but be political on social media through the election. But you have some nice content on there. And Naomi, thanks again for, for talking to me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. I, uh, I, I, it was very hard not to be political there towards the end. And, uh, uh, I know I got some flack. I, I posted my boobies with uh, I voted stickers uh, and I, I lost a bunch of followers doing that. What? Which I think is, I'm surprised. I would think I would gain followers. Absolutely. No, I lost 300 <laughs> followers like overnight with from that. Oh, bunch of prudes. Yeah. I, he, well, not only that, I mean, 
It's like seeing a little boy with a stickers on his chest. It's not <laughs> that exciting, folks. Like, what, what are you upset about? Right. Anyway, but then, strangely enough, I haven't posted like all week. I think I posted Monday and then just now again today. And uh, boom, I've got like, I'm up 500. So I'm learning, don't post your boobies Actually, don't post anything and you will get followers. <laughs> uh, like the less I do, maybe that's, maybe that's the wisdom. We're coming back around. When you said uh, what you chase uh, will- Runs away from you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the fact, maybe if I just closed my accounts and went away, <laughs> like just went to an island and dropped off the social media universe for a while, I'd, I'd come back with like just millions and millions. I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps that's the secret, Naomi. <laughs> so fun to talk to you and uh, can't wait to see that one woman show. So keep us posted. I absolutely will. You too. I look forward to he seeing this, hearing this. Send it to me somehow. I absolutely will. We'll be in touch and hopefully I'll get your email and uh, we'll, I'll send you all the links and everything you need to promote it on your social media if Good. that's what you want to do. And Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Not only that, but now when I go to these colleges, I'll just, um, I'll just click, I'll, I'll, I'll scrub to that exact moment. And then I can like walk and go have, a, you know, <laughs> right. an espresso until it's over. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a great weekend, Naomi. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it. Hey, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at DreamPathPod. And as always, go find your dream path. <laughs>